Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. I want to start off by today by asking you what I consider a very serious question. Um, how many of you like going to the movies? Like you literally, not just watching a movie, but you like going to the movie theater and watching, like, okay, okay, so like about half of us. Um, I love going to the movies, specifically like Cinemark. It's fantastic. You know why? Because it's dark in there and it's kind of cold and I get popcorn. Now there was a day, and I think this has changed now, but there was a day when you could get popcorn and you literally could tear off the little tag and go get a second bucket of popcorn. Am I, am I, am I already preaching? Okay. So some of you like, I, I like popcorn so much. My wife gets mad at me because we get there about 10 minutes early and I'm trying to get the second bucket before the movie starts. Cause I don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to be like, Oh, we're kind of at the bottom and the corns, you know what I'm talking about? Like, so we got to get a fresh batch. And so I have learned there is a way to put butter in your popcorn. And you, there's this, it's called the straw method. And you put the straw where the butter comes out and you can put it in the middle of the popcorn. I just changed some of your lives. I'm just telling you like, like, and then I put jalapenos on my popcorn. Anyone else put jalapenos on their popcorn? Oh, okay. I just like divided the church over this. Some of you are like, no, you know, and I love it. I love going to the movies. What we love about the movies actually is the story. And actually I just, I looked up the top five movies domestically, uh, what hit the box office in the United States. This is the top five movies. The first one is Gone with the Wind. Who cares? Like, who cares about Gone with the Wind? Like, who cares? Some of you are like, no, we love that. I could care less, okay? I don't, I don't love that movie. Um, Star Wars, A New Hope is number two. That was legit, okay? Um, I actually got a two claps on that one. Okay. Um, and then number three is the sound of music. Again, who cares? We did divide the church. No, I'm, my wife loves that movie and I will watch it for five minutes and I'll be like, this is the most boring thing I've done all my life. And so number four is E.T., Really good movie. That was awesome when I was, when I was younger. Uh, and then the movie Titanic was, I mean, you know, it's okay. Um, it's a boat, you know what I mean? I mean, it's cool. But the thing I'm upset about is it never, they, they didn't put Hoosiers on. That's my favorite movie of all time. Okay. No, it changed my life. Okay. It's a basketball movie. It has the power to change your life. Um, it's a really good movie. And then, um, they didn't put uh, Nacho Libre on there. <laughs> the Lord's chips, cheeps. Um, and then honestly, one of my top five of all time is Justin Bieber's autobiography. It's fantastic. It'll change your life about him. I mean, you, you will love Justin. So anyway, um, no, but what we love about uh, the movies really is the story. Really, that's what you love about the movies is you love a good story. And what I want to talk today about is the power of our story. And, and because you, we all have a story, we all have an individual story. And so we have the meta narrative, like the big story, 
that falls, you know, in, in, inside the hands of, of God. But we also have individual stories. And, and um, I very specifically, here's what I'm, here's what I feel like God is tasking me with today. And this doesn't happen every time I get up here, but I, I promise you, this is what God gave me very clearly today. Some of you, you think your story is already written. And you think like the, the book has already been published in your life. But God wanted me to tell you today that he is the author and creator of your life, but he is also has final editorial rights on your life. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but he's told me to tell you he's still writing right now. And so you think it's over and he is still talking and he is still writing in your life. And every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, and this is what I found out in my own life, is that when one story in my life, we can call them chapters, we can call them seasons, when one story ends, all that really means is another one is beginning. And so simple example, when we leave middle school, we go into high school, we go leave high school, we go to Texas A&M. I'm just kidding. We don't have to. We don't have to. Braden, you do not have to, okay? Um, but, but, you know, you go into college, and then after that, you go into career. And so what, and you see just in that little thing, you go from single now to being married, right? And so you have all that. You go from no kids to kids, and then hopefully in the name of Jesus, no kids again. They leave the house. And... Um, like, so you, you have all these beginning and endings. And so I want to talk about the power of our stories. Um, and the story I want to use is one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Joshua leads the Israelites over to, into the promised land over the Jordan River. God really shows us how to manage the seasons of our story, the beginning, middle, and end um, in this story. And so I personally love the story of Joshua as a whole. I love Joshua. And if you know how he's kind of presented in the Bible Moses was the man who was originally leading the Israelites into the promised land. And if you remember, Moses called 12 spies to go into the promised land and to give a report, not to give an opinion, just to give a report. And 10 of them went into the promised land and said, there's no way we could win. There is no way we could take over the promised land. And then two of them came back and Joshua was one of the two, Joshua and Caleb. And they came back and said, no, 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 our God. Yeah, they're big over there, but our God is bigger. And so he had that kind of faith. That's who we're talking about. We talk about Joshua in Numbers 14, eight says, if the Lord is pleased with us, this is Joshua talking. If the Lord is pleased to us, he will lead us into that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I want that kind of faith. I want the kind of faith like Joshua had to be able to not be able to see the end, but say, I'm going to walk into this anyway. But if you know how it, the story ended with Moses, Instead of walking into the promised land, they ended up wandering for the next 40 years. And that's my problem. And I need you to hear me when I say this. God will let you wander for the next 40 years. He loved them. I used to think he was like, like just angry at them 
and he was just being a jerk to them. They couldn't enter the promised land, so I'm just going to be a jerk. They're going to wander. No, they didn't have the faith needed to go fight the battles like Jericho. They didn't have the faith needed. And so he was actually being a compassionate God. And so they wandered for 40 years. And I don't know who I'm, I'm speaking to today, but God is specifically talking to you. And I want you to write this down. The very beginning of every journey, of every story, of every uh, a chapter that starts in your life, you're going to have to take a step of faith. Joshua 3, 3 through 4 says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And this is the scripture that I really felt like God wanted me to share with you because some of you, you've never been this way before. You've You just watched the last generation wander around for 40 years. You've never been where I'm going to take you. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but God's trying to take you somewhere. See, some of you, you were just born, like you're just born. You didn't have to have faith to be born to start that story. But there are some stories in your life you are going to have to have faith to walk in and step into. And I don't know who I'm speaking to, but there are some of you right now, and you're at the crossroads of your life. And you're trying to figure out, do I go here or do I go here? And I'm telling you, I wish, I wish, I wish God would give us green light and and, and red light moments. I wish he would do, I wish he would say, there's a demon over here and there's an angel over here. And then I'll just go towards the angel. How cool would that be? That's easy. But you know, when we started the church, I didn't have a green and a red light. You know what I had? I had a can't not moment. I had a double negative moment. I had a, I can't not go, therefore I must. And so I don't know who I'm speaking to, but he's given you that. And he's saying, I will go before you, but you're gonna have to take a step. I believe the promises of God are yes and amen, but they're not automatic. They're optional. And so your joy is optional. You have to choose joy. Because some of you are going through something right now and you think there's no way I can be full of joy. You have to choose peace. I believe you have to choose purpose because I believe God will let you wander for 40 years in your life, even though I believe Moses was intended to take the promised land. But he will let you wander, so it's optional. You have to choose to walk into what God has for your life. Skip forward 40 years. This is the beginning of the story I want to talk about. Now, Joshua has just wandered for 40 years, and now he is the leader of the Israelites. And he's now at the edge of the Jordan River. And he watched Moses at the edge of the Jordan River. And instead of walking in, they wandered. And this is where Joshua is at. And here's what he did. God has prepared Joshua He has positioned Joshua. He has protected Joshua. But there is one thing God will not do, and there is one thing he will not do for you. He will not possess it for you. You're going to have to learn how to, just like Joshua, you're going to have to learn how to take a step of faith. Joshua 3.14 says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage. Everyone say flood stage all during harvest, flood stage. 
Like that's what the miracle is about. It wasn't just, by the way, the Jordan River is normally only 100 feet wide. But at flood stage, it's over a mile wide, roaring, crazy water. This is the power of this miracle. Joshua is supposed to take two million Israelites across a mile wide flood stage river. Tell me they aren't scared. I mean, they're, they're probably freaking out. And Joshua 3.15 says, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Listen to this. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. A mile wide river piles up in a heap while two million people walk by. Think about how high that water was getting piling and piling and piling up. It's crazy. And it piled up a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. I'm telling you right now, at the beginning of your story, the miracle didn't happen until they took a step of faith. He will go before you, but you will need to take a step of faith. That's the beginning of the story in your life. Now, it's easy for me when I look at the biblical miracles. Like, I love reading the biblical miracles like this because, quite frankly, I know how they end. Like, I love the fact that, like, how cool is that? Like, that's so cool. It makes such a cool biblical story. Like, I can tell my kids, and the water was way high. Like, it's awesome. And then we walked across, and God was so good. Like, and I, I just love, I love those stories, and I love, I, I love that. But how many of you know it's different when you're in the middle of it? Like, can you, no, like, like stop for a second. How do you read the Bible, and how do you read the stories in the Bible? Like, do, do you understand how scared they were? If you keep reading in Joshua chapter four, it says they hurried through. Like the Israelites were like freaking out. Like, I don't know how long that water is going to stay up. We better get through. And so it says they hurried through. And I'm, I'm imagining my son, like my family, like trying to get to the other side. Like I see them kind of running like that water may come, come up. Where's Landon? Oh my word. He is fishing on the wall of water. Why? We need to go. The chatterbait's working. I don't care. Like, let's go. And I could see him. Us just, you just got to imagine yourself in that story. Like there's a wall of water and they're hurrying through. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know, I'm glad that God knows the plans he has for me. But the challenge is, can you trust Jeremiah 29, 11, when you're in the middle, when you're in the middle of the Jordan River? Can you trust Jeremiah 29, 11, when you're standing in the middle? And here's what I, I feel like God wanted me to tell you. The second thing is when you're in the middle, keep him in the middle. You got to keep God in the middle while you're in the middle. Joshua 3, 17 says, the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. By the way, they were on dry ground. I don't know if y'all noticed that. That's the second miracle that happened. It wasn't just that they heaped, the, the water heaped up. 
he instantly dried the ground. That should have been a muddy mess. He instantly dried the ground. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan, stood on dry ground while all, so everyone say all, Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I believe that's one of the most overlooked scriptures when, we, when it comes to this story. God instructs Joshua to do two things. One, to set, by the way, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. If you know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it represents the presence of God. And so he says, do two things. One, bring the Ark of the Covenant, bring the presence of God and put it in the middle of the river. I'm telling you right now, in the story of your life, in these individual stories, in this next chapter, you have to learn how to bring the presence of God into the middle of the story and, and, Keep it there the entire journey. That's what everyone misses. You got to learn how to put the presence of God in the middle of your story and leave it there. And I believe, I personally believe that the water would have come back. I believe the water would have, if they had moved the Ark of the Covenant early, I believe the flood would have happened again. I don't believe it would have held the waters up. They had to leave it there the entire journey. And this is why I believe there's a lot of starters and there's not a lot of finishers. There's a lot of starters and there's not a lot of finishers. I believe it's because people don't know how to manage the middle of their story. And I think it's so important because I don't know what middle you're in right now. But as I was thinking about this, I really felt like God was like, Brad, every one of them, Every person here is in the middle of something. It might be a financial, it might be relational. You might be making a decision about something and you're worried if I go this way and you're worried about if I go this way and it's analysis, paralysis by analysis and you're freaking out, which way should I go? And you're in the middle of something. And what I found is that my, the middles of things can be hard. They can be painful and often way longer than you want it to last. And God wanted me to tell you something about the middle, even though it's hard, even though it's painful. People love to start and people love to finish, but they don't understand the middle. It's the, the middle is where the secret sauce is found. It's in the middle. I'm telling you right now, you think, about, you think about a runner, you think about a marathon runner, they're okay with the start and they love to finish, ah, right? But they train for the middle. It's about the middle. It's where the secret sauce is. The power of your marriage is, it's not in the honeymoon. Like I love my four days in Jamaica. Like I loved it. Way too much money spent for four days, by the way but it was awesome. And I kind of wish my, my marriage was like a Jamaican moment all the time. It's just not, there's a middle, you know what I mean? When she found out that on my best day, I will always be nasty. When, when the toilet seat rarely goes down, like, like you, this is the middle. And you think about the middle of your marriage or the middle of whatever you're in, especially a marriage, you're taking two different people with two different ideologies and the ways they're thinking and with different parents and you put them together. That's not supposed to work unless God is in the middle. That's the difference. 
We don't know how to manage our middle and keep him there. I think about starting a church. We called it the honeymoon as well. Like there were the first few months of starting a church. It was awesome. I remember back in the day of Rojean Worley Middle School and we were there and like we, there, we had someone spying on the parking lot to see if there were new cars. And they were like, oh my gosh, there's a new person. No way. And so we would, we would all get ready. Like, like we can do something different. Like, like what are we gonna do? But, but it was like that moment. It was a honeymoon. But what I found out is, is to reach a city for Christ, you have to learn how to manage the middle. When your faith and your feelings don't line up, you gotta learn how to manage the middle. And so the question is, man, how do I keep God in the middle? How, how, do, I do, how do I bring the Ark of the Covenant right in the middle? Uh, like, how do I do that? Because I don't have an Ark. Yeah, you do, it's called the presence of God. And the Bible says he's standing at the door knocking. All you have to do is open it up. Like, you gotta learn how to bring God into the middle of your situation and I think the first thing you have to do is you have to qu quit compartmentalizing God to the Sundays of your life. You got to bring him in on Monday. You got to bring him in on Tuesday. You got to bring him in on Thursday at 8 p.m. when you, that's when you're most vulnerable. That's when you eat nachos like it's out of style. Like, like eight o'clock right before I go to bed. That's the worst thing you can do. But that's when I do it. All right. Like that, this is very personal to me. Like, I don't know, but you need, I, I know I'm joking, but, but really, what, when's the most vulnerable time for you? Have you learned how in your most vulnerable time to put him in the middle? Or do you go, no, 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 I, that, that time, no, 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 that's, that's not God time. Sunday's God time. You got to quit compartmentalizing God to the Sundays of your life. John 15, four says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like that's crazy. You got to learn how to remain the whole time. It's the whole time. You got to learn how to keep him in the middle. I told my kids at, at 21 days of prayer, I said, I had both arms around both of them. And I look at them. I said, if I die tomorrow. And they said, are you dying tomorrow? And I said, no, 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 no. If I die tomorrow, I said, you need to know where my source comes from. Like you need to know, you need to know this. Yeah, we know you're a pastor. Okay. No, no, I'm not just talking about like what I do. Yeah, we know you love Jesus. I, no, no, no. And I, I'm talking about, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. The beginning of your experience with Christ, the beginning, the beginning, the beginning, it's called salvation. The end, the end over here, man, that's heaven. Can't wait. Can't wait. You know what the middle's called? A relationship. I got to develop. I got to put him in the middle. I got to spend time with him. I want to hear him. He, can't, he doesn't want to just hear about all your stuff. I want to hear what God's saying to me. You got to develop in the middle, the relationship. The second thing you have to do is when you're in the middle, you got to worship God in the middle. You got to worship. When you worship God, I don't know about you. Is it just me that when you worship God in the middle, like you bring God into the battle? You know what I'm talking about? Like you got to bring him into the battle. When you're in pain, that's when you bring him in. When you're anxious, that's when you start worshiping God. It, here's what I found out. This is an amazing scripture. Isaiah 61.3 says, you got to learn how to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And when, you're, when you have a spirit of heaviness, you got to put it on. You got to learn how to praise God in the middle God, I know you're faithful. God, I know you're good, but I don't feel like you're faithful. I don't feel like you're good. Hebrews 13 calls that a sacrifice of praise. 
You got to learn how to have a sacrifice of praise. That's when it's deeper than your feelings and it's deeper than your current situation. And it's deeper than your bank account that says negative four. You got to learn. You got to learn how to put God in the middle. And this is for somebody, Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I need you to understand something. You think you're mad at him. You think you're mad at your boss. You think you're mad at your situation. You think you're mad at cancer. I'm telling you right now, you, there is a spiritual realm that's going on and you need to learn how to bring God into the middle of it. One of the greatest ways you do that is by worship, is you learn how to worship God. There's something that happens when you begin to worship. It's like you open up eyes. You open up spiritual eyes that you have never seen before. There was an old song, and some of you might remember it. It says, when you turn your eyes on Jesus, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. It's a perspective shift when you begin to learn how to worship God in the middle. And the last thing is you got to quit trying to tell God what the end should look like in your life. Because I'm like, this has been my story. Like I have always been trying to manipulate and dictate what the end of my life should look like. This is the way it should look like. Like this is, this is the perfect marriage and the perfect kids and the perfect whatever. And it's like, this is the way it's going to end. And it rarely, actually, it never does that way. And that's what I've learned. And I've learned to quit trying to manufacture and manipulate a miracle in my life. And I've started to say, you know what? Like, if you're the author of my life and you are the, you get the final editorial rights on my life. And this is what I really felt like God wanted me to tell you. You need to start trusting that he's the author and perfecter of your faith. And your child's faith. and your husband's faith, you're not the author and perfecter of your child's faith. God is. So it takes the work. It takes the worry off of me. I've learned to trust him and not how good I can manipulate. And here's the secret sauce of the middle. I told you the middle is the secret sauce, but here's the secret sauce of the secret sauce. One word, submission got to learn how to submit in the middle. That's speaking to someone. I don't know who it is, but you have not submitted. You've been trying to control and you have not trusted God. Like you need to learn how to trust God. You need to put it in the middle and leave it there the entire journey. Some of you are in the middle right now. And God wanted me to tell you, it's not too late to bring him in the middle. And that goes on to the end of the story in Joshua Joshua 4, 4 says, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them, everyone say, tell them. 
that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Here's what God is saying in this passage. It's important to tell your story. This is what you have to do at the end of your story. You got to know that God wants you to tell your story. And this is what he tells the Israelites to do. He said, Joshua, before it's all over, here's what I need you to do. This is heavy. Um, and I played three basketball games yesterday in a tournament and in 45 years, an older tournament, and I'm really tired. So this is really heavy right now. So, but and I, he said, he said, he said, you're going to take 12 stones, represent the 12 tw tribes. And you're going to take the 12 stones. And I need you to take it from the middle of the river. Not any old stones. They need to come from the middle because I always want you to remember where they came from. You shouldn't be able to pick up these stones if God hadn't done the miracle. You, there's no way you would even see these stones. And so you take 12 stones to remind you how faithful that God was. And he said, I want you to take it and I want you to set it on the other side. And then what I need you to do is I need you to tell the story. Why? Because your kids are going to say, why are there 12? I did not want to do 12 of these. Okay. Why are there 12 stones? Because I need you to tell your kids what happened. Man, there was a day you don't understand. We're in the, I know the land's flowing with milk and honey and you, you were raised in this, but it wasn't always this way. There was a wilderness moment and you need to understand that what happened, we stood on the edge of the Jordan and there's no way. There was only, it was a mile wide, dude. It wasn't it hundred feet like you see right now. No, it was, a, it was a flood zone and it was crazy. And we stepped we had to take a step of faith. I've never taken a step of faith like that. I saw the, the Ark of the, 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 of the Lord, Ark of the Covenant go before us. And, and like literally the wall, dude, you could fish on the wall. It was amazing. But we told Landon, we got to hurry up through. And so, so we were hurrying through and we got to the other side and we passed. You couldn't get real close to the Ark of the Covenant, by the way. You couldn't get real close. Like you had to stay far away from it. But when we got to the other side, this is, these came from the middle. Son, I need you to know that this is, represents what God did. You got to learn how to tell the story. But one of the biggest hits to our faith is how quickly we forget how faithful God has been in our lives because we quit telling the story. One of the biggest tragedies in the Bible is when they get to the end of Joshua's life. Judges chapter two, verse 10. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe what I'm about to read. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, Another generation grew up who neither knew, knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Oh my word. What happened between Joshua chapter four and Judges chapter two? They quit telling the story. They quit telling the power of the story. Joshua's generation set the stones up and the next generation didn't even know what God did. They quit telling the story. And I don't know what happened exactly because it doesn't say what happened. But I personally believe, and if you read the rest of the book of Joshua, you will see that they had to fight a lot of battles. They had to go into Jericho. They, had to, they won a lot of battles. They lost some battles, all this. But I believe what happened was that story started to fade away because they started facing some real battles in their life and they started to tell the wrong story. 
they started to tell the story of their battles. They started to tell the story of their struggles and they started to tell the story over and over again of how painful it is right now. And they forget how faithful God actually is. And if he's done it before, guess what? He will do it again. So make sure you go back and tell the story. There's, it, the Bible said, and they're still there to this day. Like I, I'm telling you, God wants you to tell the story. I'm telling you, I've learned the enemy doesn't want you to tell your story because there's power in your story. Revelation 12, 11 says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I love that it wasn't just the blood of the lamb. I love that it was also the word of your testimony. And I promise you the enemy didn't want Jace's story last weekend. By the way, how many of you were here at Easter last weekend? I, how powerful was the story about Jace's story? And I promise you the enemy did not want Jace's story to be told last weekend at Easter. I promise you he didn't. I know he wanted to divide that family. I know he wanted to say, God, how did you allow this? You said you're sovereign. God, how on earth did you allow this? And I, I really believe it's because that family said, God, we're gonna see Jace again. And you're the one who created him. And you're the, you're the author and you're the editor. God, you get the final, you're alpha, alpha and omega. You get the end of the story. And what I love is they, they said, he's going to, God, you're still writing his story. And we're going to keep telling the story of Jace. And I love it because last weekend at Creekwood, we saw over 80 people accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Because the story is still being told and you got to tell the story. Sometimes the stone blesses someone else. I'm telling you right now. Some of you have a story and you think it's, it's too far gone. I, I cannot tell that story. I cannot tell, it's too, I'm too embarrassed. There's no way. But here's the thing. There, there are some people that that story is the only thing that's gonna break through to a hardened heart. It's not gonna be a pastor on a stage talking to them. It's gonna be a story that's gonna change them because they're broken and you were broken. And brokenness speaks to brokenness, but God wants us to go from glory to glory and not from one tragedy to the next. And I'm telling you, your story's gotta be told in order for you to, to help someone through it. But sometimes it blesses other people and then sometimes you gotta look back and you gotta be reminded yourself. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but sometimes you gotta remind yourself. And, and sometimes at Creekwood, when I get frustrated or I get a little irritated, or I, all I have to do is I go back to the story. I go back to the stones and I look back at, at the story and when doubt seeks in about Creekwood, sometimes I gotta do that. And I remember the early days of the church when we were, we were needing to get into the high school. We like needed this. We needed to, to move into a better location. And, and I remember we called the, the MISD up and, and they would not, they, would, they said, no, you can't move into the high schools. And so we just brought the Ark of the Covenant out into the parking lot at Mansfield High School. That's what we did. We started praying and we said, God, would you open doors? Would you make a way where there is no way? Would you be the way maker right now? And I'm telling you, a couple weeks later, we got a phone call from MISD saying, I don't know what just happened, but you guys are allowed to now start meeting at Mansfield High School. And not just that, but all all the high schools are now open 
showing up for churches. And I was writing this message and I began to think, and the spirit of God told me, Brad, it wasn't just about Creekwood. Do you know how many churches have met in all of the high schools in Mansfield at MISD and are meeting right now? And how many people have accepted Jesus all because it went back to a stone? I'm telling you, you got to tell the story sometimes and remind yourself how faithful God has been. And there were times when I would think about this building and this was a picture of this auditorium. Believe it or not, I can't believe it looks like this. This was our auditorium where we're standing. That, that's the stage that I'm standing on right now. It's crazy how much different it looked when we bought this building. And I remember we walked in here and we, we wanted to, like they, they, want, they said, do you want to buy this? And we said, yeah, but it's kind of small and, and we, we're a growing church. And they, and they said, well, we'll sell you the building and the two acres it's sitting on. Even though we own 13 acres, we'll sell two of the acres for, it was like 1.8 or something pretty high. And it was just too small and expensive. And it was, we're walking down the stairs, those front steps over there. I remember Pastor Stephen looking over at me and Keith and he said, if we could have all 13 acres for 1.1 million. He said that quietly to us. And he's my boss, so I'd never say this out loud, but I was like, that's so stupid. There's no way, there's no way that's gonna happen. And, and I'm telling you, we got a phone call 30 days later that said, hey, our board just met and we are supposed to sell all 13 acres to you for $1.1 million. What? What? You got to have a stone. You got to lay the stones down because you got to remember. And then when I think about future West Campus and I look at that and I'm like, there's no way, but you got, I've been too far. I'm telling you, I've gone too far. I know when one story begins, I got to bring him in the middle. I got to lay a stone. Guess what? Second story. And I've learned this in my life. You got it. One story leads to another story and he brings us from glory to glory. But you got to know how to manage the beginnings, the middle and the end. You got to learn how to tell your story. And I'm going to pray for you. But some of you needed to hear this right here. Some of you are at the edge of the Jordan and you're scared. He said this, this is what I feel like God, I wrote this down for you. Where I'm taking you, I've already defeated the enemy. I will be with you in the fire. I will go before you like I always have. Your best days are ahead of you. You need to take a step of faith. Someone needs to take a step of faith. Some of you are in the middle right now. Your tragedy, your pain, it's part of your story. By the way, it's okay to have scars. It's okay to have some scars. Jesus had scars. It's okay to have some scars. But hey, hey, that's just, that just shows me that I've been in a battle. But I, why do I always want to flex up here? I, and I'm just like, you've been in a battle and it's okay. It's okay to have some scars. But he said, your tragedy, your pain is part of your story, but it's not the end of your story. If you're willing to let God be the editor of your story, you got to learn how to bring him in the middle, bring him in the middle, bring him in the middle, bring him in the middle. It's not too late to bring him in the middle. Some of you think your story is too far gone. Your story is still being written and God won't waste any of it, especially the pain. Not only will he see you through it, but your story will fill in the missing gap for someone else who's struggling with the same pain. Your story will be told and God will get the glory. God gave me this message for somebody. And that somebody, one of them is me. But I believe it's for some of you too. So right now, I just want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask God to move. And I don't know who, who that is that God's speaking to right now, but God's going to do some things. 
Would you just bow your heads right now? And I'm going to ask some of you right now that you, you need to put God in the middle of your story. You need to ask God to come into your life. That's your next step. And you say, Brad, I've never put God in the middle. Like I've never truly put him in the middle. And you need to do that right now. Before today's over, you need to do that right now. And so if you say, Brad, I want to I ask God into my life. I want to I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you right now, all I want you to do is raise your hand. And say, Brad, would you pray for me? I want you to pray for me. I need to accept Jesus in my life. Would you raise your hand really, really high? I just want to pray for you. And I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, God, I am in need of a savior and I need you in my life right now. I need you in the middle of my story. God, I'm going through something right now and I need you. And so God, I accept you into my life. I am a, I'm a sinner, but I need you. And so I ask that you would be at the center of my life, God. From this day forward, I commit my life to you. And some of you here right now, you're at the middle and you're at the beginning and some of you are at the end. And I'm telling you right now, some of you need to take a step of faith. Some of you need to not just accept Jesus as your savior, but you need to learn how to leave him in the middle in the entire journey. And some of you need to look back to be reminded of how faithful he has been to you in spite of where you are. And if he has been faithful before, he will be faithful again. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.